Hello, I'm Alex, and I'm I'm the one who's starting this, I guess. I've been role-playing since the 90s, early 90s, maybe. Mostly, I started with Ryan, and later role-played with Nathan, and then role-played with lots of other people over the years, and now I'm role-playing with Ryan and Nathan again. It's come what full a circle. horrible circle you live. <laughs> And I'm Ryan, and I, I've been role-playing with Nathan since the late 80s, sadly. <laughs> and I'm Nathan, and as was just said, since the late 80s, and I put my Pepsi in the, in the freezer about an hour ago to make it nice and cold, and I miscalculated, and now it's overflowing on me. Oh, that was dumb. And that's, yeah. that's the story of my life right there. I, I really enjoyed the part where you were drinking with a giant towel gripping the uh, soda bottle. That was awesome. <laughs> All right. So what's our topic for today? All right. So last uh, last podcast, we talked about uh, all that other crap, but we ended with the idea of writing, not writing, pl uh, planning for character or not characters, but players. And I was thinking about it. Um, so if, are you guys familiar with the chart of fun? No, do you have it to pull up for us? I do. I'll just do that. For you at home, you won't be able to see it because I'm sharing it and that's over a screen. Anyways, there's the chart of fun. You guys are right over my chart. Of okay, fun. chart of fun. Curiosity, so, learning, problem solving, challenge. That's under achievement fun. We also have free spirit fun, which is exploration, discovery, surprise, and creativity, social fun which is family, collaboration. And listen, <laughs> sorry. I, I can't read that. Yeah, um, fellowship. Competition and altruism. And yep. then uh, somebody keep reading because it's really small on my screen. The next one is facilitated personal fun, which includes narrative, progression, immersion, and fantasy. And then unfacilitated personal fun, which includes humor, sensation, schadenfreude, and flow. Schadenfreude. So, so, schadenfreude is a German word, which I, if I remember correctly, refers to taking pleasure from somebody else's pain. That's exactly what it is. That's my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could look it up to verify, but that's what I know it to be. The Germans would have a word for that. Yeah, we don't actually have a word for that other than just being an ass. I mean, a jerk. <laughs> Well, we have schadenfreude. I think people who speak English know what that means. Well, do. We do. Does that really mean anybody else has a clue what that means? Okay, so so uh, fun types. Go into what your th thoughts are. So, this is what I was thinking. So, um, obviously, this translates quite a ways. Um, there's really kind of the five here. But when you look at, like, unfacilitated personal fun, those are people that find humor within themselves, right? I mean, they they're funny to themselves right so it's like you and then <laughs> i'm funny to others also well maybe anyways and then you know the social fun i was thinking about it those are typically the people that just want to come and play because there's people um the free spirited so i was thinking about that you know it talks about exploration discovery surprise creativity I would say those are really the people that um, want to be a part of telling the story of uh, creating this world in which we're the, what do you call that? Theater of the mind, you know? 
and then achievement. I think those are like type A people typically, you know, that are looking to, to have their goal for the story or for that session or whatever. I want the sword of destiny or whatever, you know? Yeah. I've heard, um, a couple of other podcasts talking about the same subject and I've heard different people break it down in different ways. I jotted a couple of things down here real fast, which I think are going to line up pretty well um, with your chart, just different words or mm -hmm. for them. And one of them is kind of the, the strategist or tactician, somebody who's trying to say, you know, what can I do to, to win this? And that's partially the type A, you know, I want to win looking for that achievement and also partially just looking for that challenge. What's the best way to solve this problem? Then right. you also have players that are an actor and they decide this is the role, this is the character that I'm gonna play. It might not be anything at all like what they are. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of them in our group because I think it would be kind of a, a, uh, a unique, unique thing that I wish we did see a little bit more here. But, mm -hmm. um, but they just, you know, this is the character I'm going to play, whatever it might be. It's completely different than what I am, but I'm going to play that. And then you have, of course, the spectator. Um, like you were saying, people, they just, they want to be there because there's a group of people of their friends there. They might not be super interested in the game necessarily, or they might just want to watch the game, but they don't necessarily. you got to push to get them to take an active part, which I think, you know, make those openings for them, but don't push too hard because they might just be happy where they are. Um, a lot of times, especially new players, but even those of us that have been playing a long time do this to an extent, they'll just be playing an idealized version of themselves, stronger, better, faster, more good. And then uh, the last one that I jotted down that I don't, um, I just came up with this kind of on the fly, but I would call it the good player. Um, so he, and you touched on that a little bit with trying to help form the story. Mm. You know, if, if you have the actor might say, well, I see where the GM is trying to go with this game, but that's not what my character would do. Whereas the good player yes. would be like, you know what? Clearly the game master didn't put this together, this introductory scene very well, but I see what he's trying to do and I'll work with him to get us to where we're needing to go. And so that person is kind of trying to, you know, work with the game master and work with the other players to make the whole thing kind of work. And of course, nobody fits into just any one of these boxes. We, we all have a little bit of all of this going on and it's gonna vary from one day to the next. But I'm, I uh, imagine we're gonna talk about, go into a little bit detail on the other ones and how to work with them as a game master. Or yeah, well, I was thinking player. specifically about our group. So just kind of continuing with the same reasoning behind our last discussion, you know, I haven't game mastered solidly in a long time kind of trying to refresh my skills improve them if possible and planning game and game world is not my strong suit on my own i mean i have definitely done world building and a ton of it over the years but it's not my strong suit when it comes to gaming um so when i'm thinking about it i'm thinking okay so the player type so we really have a very large group right now uh, yeah. mostly inexperienced players uh, other than mark who's obviously not on this today or, or tonight or whenever you're listening to this you'll meet him uh, yeah he'll be he will definitely be joining us um at another time but other than him obviously alex and you nathan and myself nobody else has really role played very much um you're 
uh, Lucan probably is the next longest player. Um, so when I go through, I mean, Alex, what would you describe your play style as? I have an idea of what I think it is, but what do you think it is? As a player, I yes. think for me, I prefer, uh, I like kind of, like, I don't know, like, because you guys are talking about like these different categories, your strategist, your actor, your spectator. I, I maybe consider myself more of a strategist than anything else. I like to have like a, a defined objective and then have to overcome the obstacles that get in the way of that, of completing that objective. Well, but would you, would you break up the categories into a different, different groups or? I don't know. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really, you know, I, I, I've been so busy with other things in life that I didn't really have time to really give this a lot of, a lot of thought before we recorded it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> who gave this thought before we started? I don't know. Nobody. But off the feet of my ever. pants, I, I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure how I would divide those up in, in like, you know, Myers Briggs style divisions. Of oh things. God. Um, let's not do the the ENFP no let's not do that let's like not that. go down that road yeah. but, but i mean that seems to be a common way to think of things but uh somehow i think that's going to come up at some point yeah somebody who's hated myers briggs for about <laughs> the last your mother-in-law invented it to you <laughs> no i didn't hate it back then I, as as a teenager or even in my late 20s i was like yeah i can use this to classify everything and understand people and this is what i am because when you're that age you're kind of self-obsessed and you can look at the chart and be like yeah this is me yeah you uh, were kind of self-obsessed oh i mean yeah we're all kind of self-obsessed <laughs> <laughs> um anyways continue but yeah people don't necessarily fit into pigeonholes that easily although there's there is some grain of truth to it i think the problem is that you know it should be on a scale of one to ten or whatever it was and everybody's always like Oh, I got this letter, and so therefore I'm all the way to that extreme. And they're not. No, it's it's on a sliding scale, and it's just even when you itself. take even when you take the test, it shows you what percentage of these different letters you are. Right, but 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 then somebody goes up and they're like, "I'm a you know a QRFP or whatever." That's <laughs> not a thing. But, it needs to be. Um, and so then that doesn't say where on the scale they fit. They just roll these things, and then the other person's like, "Oh yeah, I'm this other one." And so they're just assuming, yep, th this person has these traits and it doesn't say where on the scale it is. Right. And so even though the book itself says, you know, paints it as a much more gray, everybody interprets it as black and white. Yeah. Um, and so it's not, it's not the science behind it necessarily that I like it or that I dislike. It's the way that it's being interpreted by the, the general population. I think it's I've all heard, crap personally. I've heard it described as, as a tool used by, uh, career counselors and uh oh what was the other one i'm thinking of a quote it was used by career counselors and uh stupid people it's lost now now that my we apologies to those who love anyhow, it we're more complicated than than can be done with just a set of numbers or or letters or anything else i think when we're talking about categorizing a player it, you're right you cannot pigeonhole them I think that is completely ridiculous to assume because none of us are going to only love one aspect. Uh, just because that chart had five aspects of fun does not mean that you're only going to like the one. Uh, well, clearly, I like several of them and not all at the same time and sometimes completely at the same time, but there are dominant characteristics. 
Right. Well, and and as far as pigeonholing, although I don't like it, it works. So uh, stereotyping, it's the same right, thing. So pro professionally, um, I'm a paramedic, and a lot of that has to do with making snap judgments about people, and you know whether or not this person's problem is because of all the meth they did, <laughs> for example, or or you know what what the situation is, and I would say about nine times out of ten, with a couple of um, snap assumptions you end up being right but the 10th time you're wrong um and so you better be well aware of that <laughs> and so again there's there's some validity to it and people unfortunately do fit in pigeonholes but i don't like it and and we are more complicated than that if you dig a little bit deeper maybe that's because in i i fit into this category too so i can't point too much finger at you but anti-conformists we are <laughs> always have been talking like Yoda now, but <laughs> well, not on purpose. <laughs> well, dang it, that that might be conformity. I have to change. Well, I mean, let's well, like when Stranger Things came out, everybody's like, "Oh, this is the best thing ever," and I'm like, "I'm never gonna watch it because it's too popular." Why is that? Yeah, because I'm an anti-conformist. Yeah, popularity itself isn't necessarily bad. But let's come no, back around to uh, to our underlying theme here of talking about different player types. Yeah, so um, that was my question is how how would you characterize yourself as a player? I'm not going to pigeonhole you. I like with Alex, he brought out, you know, some of his his uh, more favored Areas. I'm curious, Ryan, how would you describe me as a player? I was just going to say that. Yeah, so, I, I'm fascinated by this idea. And then, and then I'll, 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 uh, I'll critique your, <laughs> you know, my perspective of what your perspective is. So, like, sure. oh. <laughs> so I ran across, because I, I did a tiny bit of prep. <laughs> I apologize for people that are not pantsers, and Sorry. I'm a pantser. Anyways, not as in like pulling people's pants down, but anyways, anyways, <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, and one of the things that I was reading, you know, taught or talked about the different time of role playing types, player types, and it talked about the tactile person. And I thought, what? <laughs> and then I realized it's talking about the senses. So specifically, um, somebody that likes the physical feel of rolling dice, likes maps, minis, likes to see puzzles, work with that kind of thing, very sensory driven. And I thought, okay, that sounds a lot like Alex's dominant qualities to me. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to you than just that. But that I see that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I saw you, Nathan. Shake your head. Anyways, um, I have to describe everything because nobody can see you. Anyways, that's what I'm thinking. When I, when I think of you is that is your dominant. That's fair. I do like, I do love minis and, uh, and maps and, and that kind of the visual representation. I, I, I'm a very visual thinker, I think. And so just being able to, especially in a tactical situation, you know, just to get a sense of the, the various positions of everything. I mean, you can get away with just like these dice and Lego men and little glass beads represent whatever, and just get a, you know, set up sort of a constellation of, you know, how things are oriented relative to each other. And that can be good enough. But I also like the, uh, you know, the immersion of like a really nice mini, you know, and a really cool looking terrain for it to live in. 
but then you could go too far with that too because the risk you run is as the game master is you're setting up too detailed of a of a model and then players will get kind of dialed into this model is the literal representation and they kind of their their imagination starts winding down yeah i've had that happen when i'm like okay this is the person attacking you and i pull out a picture you're like well i'm going to shoot him in the face like well but they're wearing their helmet they knew where they were gonna but in your picture the helmet's in their hand yeah yeah especially with many you could look <laughs> right. at a many and do that so easily well he's only right. got a sword so i'm gonna shoot him right um <laughs> Well, and you can go both ways with that. I mean, on the one yeah. hand, you can you can make sure that you're as you can play, place down the minis and just be very clear, like these minis are not WYSIWYG. You know, this guy is armed with what when this guy and this guy, or you can lean into that and you can make sure that that what your description of the bad guy is does conform to the fact that the model's holding just a sword. Right. Yeah, way, you, I've you, never heard anybody use WYSIWYG outside of software. So that that's, oh really that's no impressive. it's uh, it's very common in uh, tabletop wargaming. That's interesting because it, it was I don't know I don't know what it is. Software. WYSIWYG but, is an acronym for what you see is what you get. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was about yeah. uh, the very first. This is super boring. And I'm sorry. The very first uh, uh, word processors were all WYSIWYG because oh, there okay. was no code to change anything. Sweet. All right, so now let's uh, pigeonhole Ryan. Yeah. So I can tell you what I think, and you'll probably correct me a little, and I assume you will. Um, so I like to be creative and be recognized for it. <laughs> I, I, I'm the center of attention, and I believe that should always be true. <laughs> yeah, that, that probably needs to be on my list somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll write we'll jot it in here at the bottom ryan there we go <laughs> i'm the i'm probably the uh, the fifth category that was on that thing to tell you the truth right. minus <laughs> minus hating my friend's successes <laughs> <laughs> well no that's also <laughs> you have a long documented history of that as well <laughs> yeah i probably do um yeah you, you definitely yeah I, I i would agree with you there is definitely a a uh, attention seeking in a reward thing and not that can sound like there's a negative connotation to that but I don't it is what it is <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't think anybody in our group is really heavily into the actor um yeah. and some of the newer ones are definitely in the spectator and some of them i think will grow out of that and some of them may not um and then of course everybody to some extent has that idealized version of themselves um and players change and evolve also um Do they? Now the awkward pause. <laughs> the, the awkward pause. Do um, they really they do. though? I think they do. I Mark definitely has. Um, that is a very good point, and I think we yeah, kind of I mean, talked it, about that last time. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, he's a good portion of the reason why I wrote down my idea of the good player, the person that's just trying to to help that that game move along. And I found myself doing that more with uh, when I'm running games with people that are new GMs or newer players is just, you know, what can I do to kind of smooth that out? And, and I, that would probably fall away pretty fast if I was playing with a group of ex only experienced players. And I would probably move back into um, the 
idealized version of myself and the strategist are probably the two. That so I before we started playing with uh, together again, uh, Alex and I and, and Mark started playing together, what, maybe like two, three years ago? Something like that, maybe a little yeah, longer. Yeah, somewhere in there. Anyways, uh, about the time I left uh, uh, Washington. Anyways, so what I found is at first it was, I was just the same as I'd always been. And then, I don't know, probably the last, the last six months before you came and started playing with us again, I was starting to change as a player in my mind, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and then you came and I noticed within that first session that it all went back to the way it had been prior to that. Um, just because we have certain patterns that well, we I, have. I have a very forceful uh, presence. I don't think it's that. I think it's just, <laughs> it's just a pattern, a normal um, way of playing. Cause if you like when we moved when we moved you could reinvent yourself you know right. uh with new people they don't know all the crazy history that you have they don't know those things so who you really want to be and who you're able to be change a little you know but when you're back with that normal comfort you roll back and that that's right. exactly what happened to me and i've oh, had yeah. to fight my way back yeah. And I've seen it happen, not not just with you, but with a lot of people where, um, you know, they'll meet somebody from their past and suddenly they are very awkward because they're trying to uh, to walk that tightrope between being who they used to be to conform to this group of people and who they have changed into to conform with this other group. And it, it's a very awkward dynamic you can see playing out right in front of you sometimes. Um, yeah. So I've seen it happen with a lot of people. Um, and even in situations where maybe somebody used to run with a bad crowd that got them involved in, you know, whatever stuff that they didn't want to be involved in. And then they meet those people again and pretty soon they can kind of fall off the wagon or, or get back into whatever those bad habits are pretty quickly because they fall right back into those patterns. Like Right. Same people, same, same places. But when it comes to role-playing specifically, because we have all been role-playing for a very long time, there's, a a pattern that happens i've noticed so you know when you first start out playing you're a new player you're trying to play an idealized version of yourself you're trying to be you know indiana jones or whoever you're you're mimicking and then you get the you start to run out of that enjoyment that's not very fun anymore <laughs> so you stretch a little bit into something different playing a girl if you're a boy playing you know, a weakling instead of somebody strong or whatever. You kind of go to the extreme and it's like, holy crap, this is horrible. Yeah, actually, the first time that I played a weakling, it really did open up my eyes quite a bit to what it must be like for the rest of you. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> and then and then after a while, you it's like you go back to the extreme again. You're like, oh, that was horrible. I never want to do that again. Right. But I'm at the point now where if you just said, okay, Ryan, here's a character. And here's some things about them. Play this character. I'd be like, okay, I could try that. Right. Um, but that's taken many years to get to that point. And yet at the same time, do any of us do that? <laughs> do what? Hand somebody a character? Yeah, just say, hey, I want you to play this kind of character. If I, if I would, they're like, what? 
just sorry to interject. I would love that. Like there, there are times that I've. Okay, play Steve so the Pirate. Much, not so much. Well, yeah, Steve the Pirate was great. I loved playing Steve the Pirate. Yeah, he's one of my favorite characters. Mine too. Steve the Pirate, um, by the way, um, predates the Steve the Pirate from uh, Dodgeball. Or oh, that's Steve true. Way oh, before right. that. I totally yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, it was yeah, Steve a, it was, the Pirate uh, is like the late 90s. Yeah, right. he, oh, he, yeah, he was he was a good five years before that, Steve the Pirate. And it I was might so, have still been in high school playing Steve yeah, the Pirate. And it was so weird when that happened. They were like, they stole our idea. Right. <laughs> right, because it is such a complex name. Yeah. I can't believe they got, chose the same name. <laughs> Anyways, continue. You would love to be handed a character. Oh, this is what I'm saying, is that there have been a lot of times where and not really with you, but with some of the other guys I was playing with in, in sort of the interim period, uh, like in my 20s, especially, where they would have me in their game as a player um, and just kind of present like the whole sandbox. Like, you'd be anything you want. And so I looked at my options, which are quite wide, and I come up with a character that sounds interesting to me. And it turns out that that character has basically no role whatsoever to play in their in the story that they've they have in mind that they want to that they want to do and so i feel like this character is just like this third wheel you know just kind of dragging along trying to do what he can <laughs> not really fitting in and it's like for these guys it's like i kept on saying to these guys make me a character just write up a character that you want to have in your game and i will happily play it <laughs> and they never did <laughs> so it was very frustrating but i would i would love to have that experience if somebody just say i, okay. I can do that especially, for my game especially if, if somebody had oh, I, I think that's great especially if you have like a kind of a kind of a storyline in mind as yeah. the gm that you want to run I think that's the best way to that would character. work. Well, there, you make my character for me, and I'll play it because I want to play what's going to work in your game. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to play a, a new character that I've never really thought about. You know, it's a it's a different experience than I've done for the last what thirty years almost. Yeah. So, I hear you. so yeah, along, along those lines, um, what I've started to do a little bit, and the, obviously the player group is going to dictate how much this works. But what I what I'm trying to start doing, and I think I'm going to push a little bit harder in the future, is basically say, okay, um, this is the the power level of the character. So you know, are they, um, as an example, let's say you're going to be playing in a, a cyberpunk world. Are these guys that were, you know, say in an orphanage and just aged out of the out of the system, and now they're out there on the street on their own, so they really don't have a lot going on, or are these like uh, you know super spy level people because there's obviously there's a, so you know define where in these people's career and where in the the overall skill level they are it's okay you're about this skill level and then again if we're staying in kind of a, a cyberpunk era thing okay are we playing you know is the game mostly revolved around the good guys trying to catch the bad guys is it revolved around people just trying to scrape by is it revolved around um you know trying to uncover some conspiracy because if that's what your game's about you better have somebody that for some reason has a reason to be doing what the game is going to be about and so you have to work with your players and say you know for example yeah you're starting with low level characters um, with you know x number of points and for some reason they are interested in this here's the hook um, and do that and then you can break it there's classifications different ones that a lot of people use where you've got your kind of your 
barbarian guy that deals out the damage and you've got your tank or, and you know maybe your crack shot and your computer well, that, yeah, an oh. archetype yeah i understand where they fill but, a role and so, right and so if you have say four players you know do we really need two guys that are really good with the computers <laughs> and no guys although role-playing could be interesting with two guys with the same skill especially it, it, non-combat right it, it absolutely could be and it's not to say that it doesn't fit but you know but then if you have a character that decides oh well i'm just going to play a uh, a school teacher it's like okay cool is that your uh is that like your cover story and you're no no i'm just a school teacher it just it doesn't work unless you're aizawa that's one of the uh i think one of the strengths of uh like old older dungeons and dragons earlier editions of dungeons and dragons you know because we have a focus there's dungeons and we're going to explore them and there's wilderness between the dungeons that we may or may not be exploring also. And there are a limited number of character classes. You know, you have your, your fighter and your magic user and your thief and your, boy, I forget them all. I never really played that era of Dungeons and Dragons. So I, I, I don't know them all off the top of my head, but- uh, Your fighter, you your, the, your tank, fight, your- Fighter, uh, I'm yeah. trying to- fighter and like wizards and clerics uh, assassin um uh ranger but, and then there's so many other later but i'm talking about the original like back in the 70s and like, yeah, there was like TSR one yeah or five of them or something yeah, yeah there wasn't too many in the beginning there's just a few and they all kind of have their their silo of speciality which makes them all compatible in a way that they're that if you have this team of four or five guys going on your on your adventure, um, everybody's gonna have something to do. Everything's gonna be better at something than the other guys are. Yep. And everybody's gonna be like not everybody's gonna be the strong fighter, you know. Not not everybody's gonna be able to heal everyone, you know. You're gonna you're gonna have your your you're gonna have your specialty, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I and I see I see an advantage to that, where it you want to set up a game where the theme of it is kind of known up front. You know, we're 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 exploring dungeons, we're um, fighting crime. You know, we're we're doing cyberpunk hacking. You know, whatever, whatever it is, everybody buy into that to begin with, and then everybody kind of do their character builds. If not all together at the same time, although that's cool, you know, if you can't do it that way, at Actually, least most, have some, some most discussion. Of the, most of the uh, podcasts and things like that I've listened to or uh, blogs that I've read, that almost everybody in D&D &D especially, re, uh, not require necessarily, but encourage that you have the character creation night. Oh, I think that's, that's a great a idea. Game. I think it's, I think it's something to do. I think it's a great idea to include that in your session zero. You well, know, yeah. that's what they call it. And there's a happy medium between handing you a character sheet and say playing this guy and saying, you know, the whole universe is open. You can do whatever because you do you do need those lines. Mm -hmm. You got to play between. You can Archetypes. say, okay, yeah, you can say here is a group of of character types. Pick one of these. And then, you know, if you don't have the luxury of meeting together because of schedules and such, you can do it through text or email or whatever and say, okay, such and such is pitch, pick this type. And then, you know, maybe there's five different guys that might classify as a fighter. And if there's only four players and three of them have already picked a fighter, you might say, oh, well, maybe I should try to fill out where we're weak. 
Um, we also did that with Battletech. So you have the different mechs that fit a different role, long range, close range, physical, and so on. And then the alternate, the alternates to that is that if you do have guys who just all want to play fighters, you know, you have to have robust rules for coming up with hirelings and like NPCs that you're going to hire to bring along to kind of fill in the gaps of your skill set. You know, say say you're playing like Battletech or something like that, and you have no means to get to your next planet, so you're going to need mm -hmm. to hire a dropship, you know, or a pilot or something like that. I think that it's important to have defined roles and whether or not a character, you know, spreads over across a couple or not, I'm not worried about, but we shouldn't have people stepping on each other's toes. Everybody should have an opportunity to be special to have that thing that they do um i think that that usually leads to a more balanced game time more teamwork things like that i i agree in an ideal world um but i've also played a lot of games where you build that team and you're like yeah yeah i i'm gonna fit in this team in this awesome way and then the next time you play maybe one other person shows up to play and suddenly the rest of the team is not there. And you're like, well, this character that I've built is designed to be part of a team. And without the team, he's suddenly very limited in what he can accomplish. Um, and so and then, that's where a GM or a DM, whatever you want to call it, should be able to say, okay, so you're obviously not going to go and do a team type adventure because you're all by yourself. You're right. going to have to do something that you would do by yourself. You're not going to go storm a castle by yourself unless you have that skill set, which, you know, whatever, but <laughs> that's a different kind of game. Right. But, but, but yeah, the, the, the kind of larger point that I'm getting at is you do need to think about who the group is, um, how often they're going to be able to play and how much you want to specialize. Uh, because you can be a little bit specialized or you can be super specialized. And if you're super specialized, you better have that, the rest of the team that you can count on or a group of NPCs or something. Um, but I think that's over, I think that that's going to an extreme being super specialized. Generally, yeah. Um, and I'm against extremes. Especially kind of, extreme heat. I'm against that. Isn't that a kind that. of an extreme opinion? No, and I'll give you five reasons why it's not. Because only a Sith thinks in absolutes? That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see where yeah. you're going. <laughs> right. That's exactly where I was going, in fact. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Foolish All right. boy. So let's, uh, let's talk about how to weasel my way into the direction of this thing that I have written down in my notepad. <laughs> well, what do you have written down on your notepad? <laughs> I don't know. I had a, I was trying to figure out the segue. What I have written down here is motives, character history, and stats. So really what we're talking about is um, motives. Okay. Well, let's know, talk about motives. You're talking about character creation. Well, yeah, I'm, talking, there. I'm specifically, I guess, talking about character creation as it relates to the different groups that we're talking about here. So Okay. The character creation, the strategist motives might be completely different than the actors or the spectators. Um, and so, in fact, I would imagine, are... I would imagine. So, when I think of a strategist type character or player, rather, uh, I think of somebody who is looking to find the loopholes to 
give them the best opportunity to have the best roles possible. That would Depending be on what you mean by loopholes. Um, I don't think a all strategy... rule systems have loopholes, <laughs> ways to get ways to game the system, if you will. Right. But I don't think that that's what the strategist is necessarily about. I feel like you're talking, Ryan, about like the, the so-called min-maxer, the so-called Yeah, that'd be player. the min-maxer. Yeah. Uh, the the, the, the kind are. of person who plays a, a, a collectible card game at like Magic the Gathering or something and comes up with just the crazy, yeah. wicked, unbeatable deck. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That, to, to me, that's, that's maybe a part of the strategist or tactician sometimes, but there's more to it than that. Um, For instance? For instance... Um, if instead of charging in and attacking head on, you say, well, what if we sneak around to the side? And okay. then our other party gets up there. They're, they're using strategy, but you're not you're not cheating or trying to abuse the no, rules. No, no, that's, that's- I feel like there's kind of two, two discussions there where you're talking about the in-universe strategist where, where you're trying to apply your, your thinking ability to problem solving your strategic situation, your tactical situation. As opposed to um, the strategist who's looking at the the math of their character build to try, yeah. to, try to exploit the rules, right? Well, utilize and, the rules, and, and, and there's no reason to say that the two. Well, there's overlap. nothing wrong with that. I mean, like, like no. if that's the game you want to play, Pathfinder is the game for you. You know, because right. there is so many character options and so such an elaborate set of rules that you're gonna you're going to have all the fun in the world building your character to the exact specifications you want it to. And that's a fun thing. If that's, if that's what you find, have fun doing. Yeah. And I have no problem with that. I have have done that so many times. I know Nathan has done that so many times. I'm sure you have as well. Where a little bit for me personally, it's, it has no appeal to me. I want, Oh really? The the ideal game for me would be just utterly rules light. You know, I want like, Heck, if I had a player's handbook that was six pages long, I'd be in heaven. I think that'd be great. You know, I just want something that's very simple. Just get it to the table. You know, it, it, it robust, but not elaborate. You know, that's, that's kind of the, the game I'm currently writing, which you guys haven't seen yet because I haven't revealed it yet. But when you do, it's going to be very much like that. Very, very Quit plug in your own work. Uh, hey, I'm not plugging it because I don't have a title for it yet. Well, when, uh, when we're done with this session, we should talk about the game that I've got written up over here because what we need is more rule systems. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm developing 10 rule systems right now. I'm sure they're all great, too. I'm sure they're all the best. They're all based on a different type of dice. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> are you are you introducing, like, D30s and weird crap like that? <laughs> I've got one completely based off a of D2. It's just flipping coin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Win or lose. I like no, it. Uh, yeah. No, I've actually yeah, role played I, that way before. I, I think there there is a uh, some overlap and some distinction between the two different things that we're talking about when we say strategist. But to me, um, I guess both of them. What's at the root of it is they're saying, okay, what's the objective, and how do I get, how do I solve that objective? Right, the most efficient way, um, and one of them is kind of meta gaming, and the other one is saying, you know, in game, if I do this, you know, and they may not even be concerned about what the actual number bonus is, as long as there is one, because I've also played in games where it's like, okay, I'm going to take cover behind this thing while these guys are shooting at me, and the GM who 
we no longer play with. Um, he's like, okay, and just rolled the dice. I'm like, well, didn't it give me a bonus to dodge? He's like, no, why would it? Because seven-eighths of my body's covered behind steel now? Oh, but there's not a rule here for this. First of all, it's a published rule system. I think there probably is, and you just don't know the game system you're running. And secondly, you need a smack. <laughs> on that note, let's move on to... Uh... <laughs> well, let's actually go back a little bit here. So tell me how it made you feel. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That felt like it needed a uh, needed some therapy there. Get something off your chest there, huh, Nathan? Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's still pretty heavy on my chest. It's not going anywhere. Did you did you want to call that out to somebody and tell them that they're stupid? No. Yeah, I don't think we should. This is not the format for that. No. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, you know, he, he's not going to listen to this, anyways. <laughs> and um, you know who you are. I I don't know that they do. No, I doubt um, it. But yeah, so each, but in all cases, no matter which one of these you're playing, you're going to need motives. You're going to need some sort of a character history, unless you're going with the old amnesia trope. And you're going to which need. Which is a fine trope. In moderation. Yeah, maybe not every 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do, do you guys feel like I'm missing anything from my kind of pillar of uh, putting together a character? Your pillar here? of awesome the motives, the character history, and the stats, because I've played in games where people will try to leave one of those things out. And again, barring amnesia, which I suppose is a kind of character history and giving you a sort of a motive there in moderation, it's okay. Um, but if you leave any of those three things out, you're kind of robbing something from the experience. Well, so when you're talking now, about motive, are you talking about, because from what we were, from what you were saying earlier, I got the impression that when you're talking about motive, you're talking about the player's motive for generating the character. But no, no. Now, now you're shaking your head, so I'm thinking you're talking about the motive of the character in the world. Right, yeah. What, what does the character want to accomplish? What's his uh, moral compass or guide? Um, you know, what will he and won't he do? What does he care about? The, those sort of character motives. Yeah, I okay, think that's so important. Then I think those are the three really generic ones that kind of encompass everything but i think firstly and, and this is where maybe i was misunderstanding too is that you really have a player motivation what is it that is fun for you what do you enjoy about role playing specifically so that you can build that character that checks those boxes for you right so and, then and I think that that's where, as a GM, um, I, I've struggled over the years is finding what boxes. So I have definitely ran games that I know checked boxes for certain people. I've seen it, you know, their face lights up, you know, they love that. But repeating that is difficult without doing the same thing again. So understanding a player motivation as a GM gives you so much more um to work with you know what i mean absolutely so th that's that's kind of one of the things i'm thinking about so like with you guys so what is what would be your player motivation for playing um so alex obviously has kind of said he just wants to play a role that fits in the dang world <laughs> um 
and obviously I want to be special. So what is it you want, Nathan? Um, so as a, a player, I, I love seeing something new or something creative, uh, whether it being in the world building process or a twist of the plot or um, whether it be a character or NPC motive, motive or motivation or whatever, something new, something that I haven't seen before. But of course, that's hard to come by. Um, obviously, I want some certain level of action, which I don't necessarily mean it has to be a sword fight or uh, a shootout or something, but but something with uh, real consequences that is happening where there's an actual risk or of uh, losing or gaining something. Um, I like overcoming challenges and doing so not just because the stats said I could, but because I came up with a clever idea or, um, or I somehow outsmarted the villain, not just because I'm bigger and stronger than him. And then, um, Finally, just to be part of telling a, a great story. Um, yeah, to, to me, those so, are kind of the, the, the big ones. Well, let me let me ask you this, because those uh, those are all very good, but they're not quite what I was getting at. Um, I'm sorry, what answers did you want? I, I, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what I'm getting at is, why do you want to role play? I mean... We've been role playing for a long time. It should have gotten boring a long time ago, and it never did because it's the greatest game on earth. Well, there's people that have been watching basketball or baseball for that long, and it's yeah, but they've got problems. So do we. (laughs) That's true. Anybody has a hobby and can enjoy their hobby. That's that's an element of it. For me, it's there's a social element too. I mean, I'm hanging out with my friends who I've been friends with since I was a kid. You know, that's a cool thing. Um, but for me also, it, one of the things that Nathan mentioned was the world building of it and like, and, and the, the story design of it. And as a, as an amateur writer, I mean, that's a hundred percent one of the things that I'm, I'm interested in too. You know, I love a good world, you know, uh, if, if the world is stupid and doesn't make sense and is clearly just kind of slapdash, then it, it, it loses me. It loses my attention. That is a really profound thought. Right, is... and I, I think coming up soon, we should have an episode on world building. And I think to do so, yeah. we should go through the process of building a world as a group. That's a great idea. On, uh, on record. Um, I think that's a very good idea. But um, we can put that aside for, for later. What, what I see that, what I see you saying then, Alex, there is that you want to be part of the narrative and the creative you want to feel part of this the 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 whole thing not just not just i said not, i was just going to say not just a spectator but a see, uh, i think spectating is fine if it's cool i'm happy to spectate like i love sitting and watching lord of the rings you know because it's a great world same thing right. with star wars yeah you know, yeah. I, it's a it's a fun world to view. Yes, yeah, so and I and I'm I'm happy to view somebody's fun world. So it's the it's just the, the creative process. You can be involved in the creative process and it's awesome, or you can observe it and it's awesome. But there the and the more that you've worked with it and the more that you've watched it, and the more experience you have with science fiction and fantasy and the whole world building creative process, you can see when something is put together well and and uh, recognize and appreciate the amount of hard work oh, and yeah. that went into it. 
and Absolutely. yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, I mean, that's going back to the list that I had here, something new was on that list. And that's, that's what it is, something that I haven't seen before. It doesn't have to be um, something new as in a brand new piece of artwork or something. It could be a thing we've seen before shown in a new light. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think that really, the, just the, the word creativity really does yeah. kind of underline all of what, uh, all of the things that I'm um, interested in about role-playing. And, and I love stories. I mean, like, like what Alex was saying, some of the, our, our favorite uh, science fiction or fantasy, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful worlds um, telling a, you know, an awesome story and usually with some excellent characters that are involved in and a part of the story. And so those, those big three things, but that's obviously a whole nother three big shows. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, creativity, I think is a, is super important to remember that the players that enjoy creativity, at least that don't want to just be a spectator. um, It's part of that experience is to tell the story together. I think I think just in the act of playing the game, um, as a player is interacting with the world, the world is going to be, the world is going to be, you know, it's not in a vacuum. I mean, the the world is going to conform to the player's actions as in, in as much as the player's actions conform to the world. Right, they, they shape each other. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about players that, um, when I think of like the spectator type player, they're the ones that are just rolling their skill check or their attack or whatever without any real thought as to the narrative of the story they're thinking about just they're playing it like a game as opposed to a story but there's still moments of brilliance that shine through them oh i'm not saying there's never going to be um yeah i so we we were uh playing with with Mark's wife, Lori, she was uh, playing in a game and she's playing a sort of anthropomorphic squirrel human race. And uh, she wasn't very familiar with the backstory of them, but was looking through the- uh, An omis? The, yeah, an omis. She was looking through the notes and saw that she had claws for climbing and that she had, um, I think it was written as improved scent or improved smell. And she's like, oh, does that mean I smell really good? Um, and, and then the, the kind of the idea stuck and because she could also scratch, she got turned into a, a being called a scratch and sniff squirrel. And it's kind <laughs> of stuck and I've heard several people make reference to it now. Um, and so, yeah, you just, you have these little funny moments, but that's probably that little thing in some small way has probably shaped the species. Um, yeah, just forward. like if you act stupid for any time period whatsoever, Nathan, your character is stupid. Right. No matter how brilliant you make your character. Well, that's an interesting uh, thing. Like, say you're 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 making a fantasy world, right? And say you you have an idea for what your non-humans are going to be like, your dwarves and your elves and your orcs and stuff. And you and you know, as the GM, sorry, you have a specific thing that you're trying to do. And then your player says, "Can I play an orc?" The answer is no. You can't play an orc. And the reason why is because even if the orc you're playing is the unusual orc that doesn't conform to the old, all the rest of the orcs cultures, um, the fact that you're the orc that everyone's going to be exposed to, you're the orc that is the world's orc. And, and it completely overrides anything that you had planned for anything else. So unless you're going to say whatever, you know, sure, whatever the players decide orcs are going to be, 
that's what orcs are going to be in this world, then yeah, you can play an orc. That's awesome. But it just you, depends on where you're going with that. And what is it about playing an orc that you're interested in? Yeah, that's uh, the yeah, there you go. What are you looking for? As, as a concession or, to, you know, you do want to work with your players and say, no, and here's why that doesn't work. Explain it to them so you're not just being a butthead. Um, and what is it that you like about it that we can, you know, bring in? But if I just let you do it like you're talking about, that's going to skew everything. Right. Are you guys at all familiar with uh, Dungeon World? Do you guys know that at all? I do. Um, one of the interesting things about that uh, game system is that it, it presents this idea that rather than having, rather than front-loading your world design as the GM, um, you design just a little valley with a village in it, and then uh, your players help you establish everything as you're moving on. And one of the interesting things about it, they have a rule called lore check, where yeah. or a lore master or something like that. Something about lore. It's where lore you roll it, where you yeah. roll it, <clears throat> and uh, w after you roll it and you're successful or not, the GM will give you the answer to the question, and then we'll ask you, how did your player know that? And then your player has to tell how they learned that information, and then that method that they learned that's not part of the world you know and and through various things like this your world will grow and grow and grow entirely uh collaboratively and uh and everyone's happy and it's a wonderful utopia that brings up a really good thing about rules and we'll start with alex are you of the opinion that rules have to be followed so if you're game mastering you should know the rule and if you don't and somebody says hey this is actually the rule. Should you change and do that or just keep going and say, we'll take care of that after game. I'm of two minds. You know, part of me wants to say, make it up, just roll with it and get, get the game moving. And if, and if everybody, if it's a, if it's a big, you know, emotional or intellectual thing that people want to have resolved, then after the session, let's look it up. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in no rule books at the table. You know, I want, I want, uh, I want everything to be seat of the pants and just rolling, you know, rather than having to take time to, you know, look up stuff and find the index for the table of contents and see if it's on page 219 or whatever, and read all the paragraphs as we go. You know, that's a bunch of bull crap. You know, I just want to, I just want to rock and roll through it. Um, and I think that a, a, a rules, a, the GM should be familiar enough with the rule system to have that ability to do that but at the same time i think that they need to be creative enough to just kind of wing it it's like you just you you need to have enough rules in your mind to to have a, a game that's playable but it doesn't have to be super duper detailed about every little thing and you don't have to be a rules lawyer about every little thing now if you enjoy that if you and your players are down with that roll with it that's awesome if if you're not down with that then don't it's fine have fun the way you want to have fun <laughs> what were you saying Nathan <laughs> um yeah so I I fall pretty much on the same page as Alex there um if I was the game master and somebody said well no here on page 273 it says that the bonus should be a plus four not a plus three and it's right in the middle of the thing I'm like okay cool whatever they looked it up it's our, it's there I I don't care you can right. correct me but at the same time an experienced game master who has I think as Alex said, has at least a fairly firm handle on the rules. I don't care if they fudge the numbers a little bit, 
but don't overlook the part about them having a, a some sort of a grasp of the rules because I've also played with people whether they be, be new people that think you know I've role played a couple of times it's not that hard I got this and they don't they don't they don't know how any of the rules work um, and the whole thing just falls apart because you need those rules or the framework of the imaginary universe. <laughs> um, and then I've also played with very experienced game masters that um, are trying to play with a new rule system and didn't take the time to read it. And that also falls apart. Yeah, I've fallen but, into that trap myself. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I remember yeah. my first game of Stars Without Number that I ran with you guys. I don't think it was great at all because <laughs> I was reading the book all the way through trying to figure out how to play that game while we were playing it. And it was it was just not fun. <laughs> My thoughts on the rule thing <laughs> is this. I don't care if a game master fudges the rules or does anything that, that needs to happen. As long as it's not just to shut the player down because he didn't like it or to railroad something. I, I hate those things. Those things drive me crazy. It, or if you don't understand what I'm trying to do, that also will drive me crazy. <laughs> Um, if, if there's a good reason for moving that way or just, you know, it's time, let's just, yeah, let's, I'm not against that. Let's do that later. You didn't die. You're all right. <laughs> let's just move forward. But if I die because of a game master's, uh, lack of a grasp of a rule, I might be irritated by that. I was talking to the, uh, the new game master some time ago and the three pillars being the rules, the world building and these uh the just running the actual game and so we just talked about rules a little bit and i think that the takeaway that i that i was trying to give to him and i think that all of us can kind of view is you know pick a rule system whether it be one that you wrote yourself or whatever um make sure that you understand because yeah if you don't and especially you know if if you're trying to run a game and nobody's played this one before Sure, people hopefully will be a little bit patient, but you know, understand at least the core mechanics. You don't have to have read every page, but that really is kind of the skeleton that's holding up the whole thing together. Um, and the game is going to fall apart without. Uh, the next one is the world building. And so, what I told my the the new game master that I was talking to is, you know what, you don't need to try to juggle all three of these things. There's plenty of worlds that are already built. Um, go play Star Wars, go play Star Trek, go play, you know, whatever. There's so many, not only role-playing games, but works of fiction, whether they be movies or comic books or video games or whatever. Pick one of those and use something that your players are familiar with and use that as a base. So that being said, um, you know, that being said, I think world building for me is one of the things that I'm most interested in. But for a new, uh, uh, newer game master, use a different work of fiction that everybody's familiar with. And then the third one is, uh, of course, running the actual game, working with the players and trying to get the plot to, to go in some sort of a direction. Not necessarily that it's all planned out, but you know, is there some sort of structure to this story or is it just a bunch of crap that happened on a random Tuesday? Right, some kind of goal that the characters are working towards. No, yeah, so I, I, I concur with most of that. Alex, you seem to have some comments that did not get the chance well, to I, I was just going to go back to uh, 
we were talking about game systems, I think it's important, like rule sets specifically, I think it's important to find the right rule set for the game you want to run, you yeah. know, and, and Nathan kind of covered it by saying, you know, about like, make sure it's something that you're familiar enough to run, um, familiar enough with rather to run. But uh, at the same time, I think, you know, the, the, the weight of the rule set, you have to be comfortable with, you know, like if it's, if it's a real complicated game uh, that has a lot of ins and outs, then boy, you better, you better have your brain wrapped around them. Um, If it's a lot lighter of a rule set that you can just kind of run with and improvise with, and you're comfortable doing that, then maybe that's the better game for you. You know, so I think it's important to find a a rule set that, uh, that suits your, your game master style, you know, um, but I guess this this particular episode we're talking more from the player's perspective, I guess, right? So I don't well, know. Preparing I don't know for a player. So yeah, I, I, don't yeah know. I think what we're talking about is from the game master's perspective. Um, how do you engage your players? Uh, yeah, that, that that was my impression. How to okay, fulfill, well, engage the whole thing? Yeah, sure. So so in that in that in that space, I suppose it, it's uh, incumbent upon the whole group together to to really have have some idea of, of how the game system works you know and if you're if you're playing if you're if you're a dungeons and dragons player who's uh starting out your 5e game with a bunch of friends who have never played any kind of game before any kind of role-playing game i should say um then all you need to tell them is you tell me what you want to do roll a d20 and i'll tell you if it worked or not and that's all the real that's all they really need to know i mean you can you can you can hold their hand through the specific things that. Well, five E is especially easy, and compared yeah, compared is, it to like three point five. Oh yeah, it's a it's a totally different thing. It's totally yeah. it's, it's totally and, different. And and easy a lot of times is good. Um, I mean, I I also really kind of enjoy the the crunchy games. Also, going back to the the one aspect of the strategist thing, I like to, you know, I like to be able to say, you know, in the in the actual game world, I'm going to do this and do this movement and go over here so this guy doesn't see that. But I also like looking at the numbers and saying, well, if I do that in the game world, am I actually getting something out of it or am I just talking for no if I reason? I spend points here. Is it really worth it? Right. Yeah. And if it's no, not, it's frustrating. Um, yeah. This attribute is completely useless. Why would I even put yeah. points in this? Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, but that's also goes back to picking a good rule system for not only the type of game you're planning, but also for your players. If you're playing with a bunch of new players, easy is better. If you're playing with players that like crunchy rule systems, then you're going to want to do one. I mean, if you're going to be playing every week and you're like, you know, a college kid who, who really likes the math and the numbers, then play a game like Pathfinder or something like that. That's real crunchy, you know, like Nathan was describing that's that's going to be your game that's going to be great you're going to enjoy it a lot but if you're going to be doing uh you know if you're like more like me and more like us you know where we we get together once every month or two (laughs) to play a game for a few hours you know maybe a game that that isn't as involved might be better you know because it's because you just don't have with your adult life and family responsibilities and your you know gainful employment you might not have a lot of extra, extra mental energy to really devote to to this hobby, you know. So, so that's that's an element too to bear in mind when you're when you're 
figuring out how to balance all that out. Absolutely. Um, and the third element and deciding it, I suppose, I don't know why I said third, whatever the next element is, is what's the actual nature of the game. Um, you know, if you're playing a superhero game mm. where people can lift up and, and hurl cars around, you need some numbers that can support that. Um, whereas if you're without playing, rolling 30 dice, right. whereas if you take a realistic game designed to be set in a realistic world and suddenly try to build characters that strong, it's going to break the game. Um, and and to, to a lesser extent, you know, what a game that works well for a fantasy setting may not work as well if you try to move that into a, uh, a more of a hardcore science fiction set. The, maybe the stats don't necessarily line up with the, the skill lists and such. You know, if you want to play a game involving uh, driving or riding around in giant mechs, you might want to go with something that has a bunch of source material for the giant mechs. <laughs> yeah i'm a big believer in rule sets that match genre a generic rule set can be good for a lot of things but there's certain things that a more specific rule set's gonna serve a lot better um yeah. what are our thoughts about character advancement i think that it's super important and in many different ways um rewarding the player the character and both so giving the character you know money status items whatever is super important because it furthers the story it furthers the character and i think that should happen on a regular basis character point growth is also important because otherwise you have a stagnant character there's plenty of characters from fiction that even over a long period their actual um abilities didn't change significantly i mean was indiana jones from raiders any stronger or weaker or faster or smarter than than he was in the other two movies he was basically the exact same guy whereas luke obviously changed significantly yeah. yes he went from a and, whiny kid to a whiny adult right and, and you can't you know if you look at any number of game supplements including west end games which we all love here yes uh, but if you look at the source material on that it does show han as leveling up quite significantly but if you just look at the movies i don't think that he did for the record i did start a patreon page but you know i'm not telling anybody yet yeah but uh i put the full recording up on the oh, page really? okay so anyway uh one but, of the ideas well, what i was so about leveling up yeah i i am in favor of leveling up i am even more in favor of leveling up now that we don't play very much and leveling up faster if you if you play every week, then slow it down a little bit, or your characters are going to grow too quick. Um, Unless that's what you're going for, right? But uh, that being said, also the the more fiction that I think about in general, most characters don't level up too much. But One of the ideas I've I've been playing with, and I kind of just want to bounce this off of you guys to see your thoughts uh, in the game I'm writing, because part of part of the in intent is to have it so that it's not necessarily the same group of players. Like, like players can assemble in different patterns, you know, and play at different times and not always have to be there for every episode. Yeah, you were talking about that, yeah. Like the, the West Marchers idea. Yeah, it's inspired by that for sure. Um, so one of my thoughts were, because one of the problems that seems like would exist in a traditional D&D style West Marchers campaign is that the players who are playing more often are going to get much more advanced with this vertical advancement. And uh, so you're either going to have to make it so your groups are very asymmetrical 
or you're you're really having to isolate groups to like all your fifth layer play fifth level guys are going together and all of your third level guys are going together and you know everybody in their lanes which is specifically what i don't want to happen you know i want to be able to mix them all freely up where you're so, leveling everybody at the same time no matter well so what my thought was was that the character development wouldn't be a vertical uh advancement but it would be a lateral development so like your total points don't necessarily increase but your your configuration of those points can change so that way everybody numerically is about on the same level all the time no matter how often they play but their character isn't necessarily the same as it was when it began you're it's more specialized down the road that you want to take it i i, I think that's a fine way to do it um yeah i i have uh, i've had a lot of people who tell me that it doesn't matter you know, if characters aren't of the same value. The yeah, same they haven't played D&D &D and, then. And, and it depends on the game. It, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was just about um, to say. It definitely depends on the game. And then uh, I would add a another option to your West Marches game idea. Not, not that I think there's anything wrong with what you suggested. I think that's a fine way to do it. Well, yeah, I'd actually be interested. a really quick gloss of it. I mean, there's more to it than how I just said. It. Right, but but I, I think I understand that we've discussed it before, and I think that yeah, the basics is that you know you've got all these points and these junk skills because you were a, a peasant or whatever. Yeah, you move your points out of being a farm boy into learning how to sword fight. Yeah, um, but another way to do it is I would happily have five different characters. And then, you know, if these uh, low-level dweebs are going off to do this thing, then I'll set aside my higher-level character and play the other one. Well, that's uh, good idea, too. Right. Um, but, you know, I would also do it the other way. So an idea that I've had for a long time and have never done is instead have a leveling down system. <laughs> I actually think that's a cool idea. Right. Where, I would love to play that. Where, where, where you start by making a character this pretty strong and heroic but then this, uh, huh? It gets old. He gets old or he gets wounded. Um, you know what happens to most people when they get shot in real life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're getting fully recovered. <laughs> it's hard. Um, I think that's the cool idea. I love the idea of, of playing a game where you start out at your prime. And because in a sense, it's like games are weirdly backwards in a way where you start out playing really hard at the low levels. And then you get better and better and the game becomes easier and easier as you go. But I think it'd be fun to play the other way around where you start out your prime and, and the game is a little easier. And then you have your just dwindling resources. And it right. gets harder and harder. Yeah, I, I, yeah, kind of the, I think part of the inspiration from it came from the, the uh, reimagining of, of Battlestar Galactica. Where like they, things sucked when they started out, but they didn't get better. That's true. <laughs> and so, so playing a game like that, but not only for everything, but for for on a personal level also. Yeah, if, if you get shot in the leg, you probably have a limp from now on. Um, That's actually one of the things I was going to be adding into my game was where you're going to start out with your your attributes, but those attributes aren't getting higher. You know, as, as you as you play, those are the attributes you're going to have. And if anything, they're going to go down from injuries. Well, but hold on. I could go and work out and get stronger. Yeah. That is totally possible. And I can condition myself, you know, like a boxer does to be able to take more damage. But 
it's limited how much I can do. I mean, I can only do what my body can do. Mm -hmm. And the older I get, the harder it is to make progress. And the reason that we, I mean, why don't we do that? Why don't we all work out every day and get stronger? Why? Because I have a dumb job I have to go to. Why do we spend time playing games and watching TV or movies and not studying books the whole time? Um, But there are people that do all of those things. Not a lot. But there are people that do it. There are only so many Arnold Schwarzeneggers in the world. You know, you, you need oh, to have that yeah. kind of focus and dedication to really to really do that sort of thing. Right. Well, if, really you, if you believe off. the internet, there's all kinds of people like that. Here's but, the thing, though. I don't believe the internet. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't either. Crap. <laughs> I don't either. But there, there, I do believe there's a good, that there's probably 10, 15% of the population that is that kind of person that's very driven and able to do those things. Right, but, but here's the larger point that I'm getting at. Those, and I don't mean this as an absolute, but we all have so many hours in the day. A certain number of it is going to go to sleep. Sure, maybe some people need less sleep, but they still need to sleep. Um, there's all of these little kind of soft areas of life where, yeah, I didn't go and get my degree, but you know what? I have a happy family life. Uh, my kids are fed and clothed and, uh, you know, I've had a steady job for a long time. It feels uh, like an 80s clap moment. Right. I've, well, it's not. And, and I've got friendships, whereas people that become too driven oftentimes end up sacrificing these things. Uh, yeah. People, and, and again, I don't mean it's an absolute, you know, if, if one of our listeners out there has found a way to balance all of these things and it's basically Batman. And they're better the, than us. And without the trauma, awesome. Uh, send us a message. Let us know how it's working for you. But I doubt there's a lot of people out there like that. Because especially you if you're role playing, so huh? Especially if you're role playing, we don't need to make digs at the audience. <laughs> hey, yes. I'm making a dig at me, not people that are listening. Okay, <laughs> there's, I know there's lot, there's plenty of you know athletic and 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 there there are role players out there. Well, when I first started, I was young and athletic. Yeah, and for those listening, I'm sure my voice sounds very svelte, and I am just in a round sort of way <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah the, the, the leveling down idea versus the leveling up idea uh overall what you're talking about is character change or character growth because you know a character that becomes uh injured and loses something that's still character growth in a way it's a, he's changing um, I actually so believe I think, that there should be mortal wounds, or not mortal wounds, uh, scars and things like that. I think that adds something. I think to there it. should be mortal wounds as well. Well, but, yeah, but that's but the, le- but the leveling down idea. If you if you use that, you have to have the rest of everything that would go with it. You're talking about a fairly bleak, depressing world. I mean, I'm thinking like a Mad Max type thing, um, where uh, or, or you know maybe some of the the Norse sagas from the Viking days, where, <laughs> where um, and, and yeah. that can be that can be a lot of fun. Um, maybe well, even the mid even medieval. I mean, you think about it; those people only lived to like 21, 25. That's I mean, largely that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe that's not incredibly true. But um, yeah, the, the fact uh, is, is the peasants didn't live 
as long as we do necessarily in as good of condition as we are. Life. People usually lived until at least their 40s. And, a yeah. lot of, and there were always old people. I every, think there was plenty that lived in their 50s in their and 60s, 60s and 70s and 80s. Yeah. No, right. Not a lot. However, not as many as are now. But however, even until those people, people got old. Those people, I mean, even super rich people like Henry VIII, he had that horrible wound on his leg. Horrible wound. You know, that he could never heal. I don't remember the Henry VIII horrible wound. Well, yeah, yeah that's he, why he got all fat. He, he, he hurt himself. Uh, Jousting well, I, or it was, was it, I think it was a hunting accident. Like I can't somehow, remember. Yeah, oh, yeah. Somehow his leg got hurt real bad, and he went from being a real athletic young guy to a real heavy set guy who just eats all the time and got diabetes and died. Yes, um, pretty much. But yeah. my point being is, depending on the type of world you're playing, if medicine is not state of the art, you're going to have wounds that last. Right. But 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 if you're playing a game that focuses heavy on that lean into it with all of your world creation because that's the kind of game you're playing and if well, you i'm just gonna say in my in my game if you get your leg blown off you're you may not die but you're still gonna be playing that character well no and naturally i mean i most games i think uh your leg doesn't grow back <laughs> <laughs> well this i guess if you have some kind of healing power it could but right um but or you have cybernetic options like Star Wars. Right. But, yes. but but my point is if you're playing a, you know, a otherwise kind of pulpy action hero type thing, a leveling down rule system doesn't fit very well. Right. If you're trying to play Indiana Jones, although yeah. you are going to be running around injured all the time, right. it's not the same as a lifelong yeah, when, injury. When Indiana Jones is the kind of story where no matter what happens, he's always going to have his hat at the end of the scene. Right. Yes. So it's it's a it's a different reality than say uh, uh, RoboCop. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yes, that is very true. RoboCop is a far less happy. You you dug deep on that one. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily in the correct area. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he was basically ahead, if I remember right. Anyways. To sum everything up, I think that uh, players in our group specifically, a creative license with their character and to help uh, help uh, narrate the story and grow the world is probably going to bring the most enjoyment out of anything else. But that's what the character should have done. Another thing that a lot of a lot of GMs do out there, a lot of DMs do out there, is to have at the end of the night, you know, have like not not participate as the GM, but have all the players vote for an MVP, and then that person gets. Yeah. A I actually think it. that's a grand idea. I think that's a great idea because it, it kind of helps everybody to really helps everybody to evaluate the game and to build somebody up. And I think that's a great a great uh, way to end the night. Yeah. Um. So. Anything else as far as uh, as wrapping this up? I mean, I th- I think we decided that that. Although we don't like to pigeonhole people and they don't like to go and pigeonhole, they still fit in there real well. So you just just push a little bit harder, you'll get them in. I do have a question. What is the etymology of pigeonhole? It's a hole that a pigeon lives in. I don't think they live in holes. Where do they no, live? I, when when you when you had messenger pigeons? Yeah. The little they were kept in the 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 yeah. dove coats that they 
They had yeah. a little cupboard. Yeah, yeah. They, had, they had holes for pigeons. Oh, okay. And you had to stuff the pigeon. <laughs> and if it doesn't fit, you just get like a, a wooden mallet and just hit it. He'll go. No, no, you get one of those. You get one of those uh, little toy mallets. So you're like, <laughs> super awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. But, so, yeah. but but so that, but seriously, I mean, I, I don't like to pigeonhole people too much, but I feel like if you played with somebody a few times, you could say, yeah, they like this. They like this you know, you could come up with whatever your own categories are, but, you know, whether you put them in categories or not, ultimately get to know your players. What do they like? What do they not like? Is there, you know, scenes or things they might be uncomfortable with? Then leave those things out. Um, but Unless yeah. you want to be a big fat jerk. Right. But, but you know, you know, yeah, know your players and don't necessarily, that doesn't mean you have to custom make the game for them because every I don't time think I, that I, even works. You know, it never I think, has worked I, for me. Right. In my, yeah. in my experience, anytime that I've tried to build something specifically for specific players, it all falls apart. It you does. Know, it, it almost never works out in the way that I hoped it. Yeah, that player doesn't show up, or they do show up and they fall asleep halfway through. And then or it goes in a weird direction. Like yeah. you're like you're you're setting up a game about uh about uh this mysterious NPC who's found a way to transfer consciousness out of out of these ancient crystals, and now instead your players are uh, starting a women's revolution in town. That only happened <laughs> once, <laughs> but it did happen. That's my point. <laughs> that is an example. And, and, and oddly, actually, as a perfect example, the next time I played with the person that started the women's revolution, yeah. uh, it was in a different different game system. But they ran across some slaves. Um, and a group of like slavers that had kidnapped these people. And like, I basically handed it there on a plate. Here, would you like to free these slaves? And it's like, no, <laughs> no, we're good. We're just, we're just going to buy the supplies that we needed from the slaves and go on our way. And then oh, somebody poor else, the slaves, but not because he was upset that they had captured these poor villagers, murdered their families and enslaved them, but instead because um, he found out that the guy bought something for him, but paid him with buttons instead, and because he was blind and didn't know they were coins. And so it's like it just it just all went sideways, and yeah. it always does. So that's what happens when you try to to please your players. I say don't do it. I say don't do it either. I say do make sure that you're not like you mentioned, and I think oh, this is in the consciousness of the hobby at large these days. Is you know be socially aware. I mean don't 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 do like you know rape and murder and child abuse and stuff that people are going to legitimately find offensive you know set that aside don't yeah. write a game about that yeah, but other aware, than that yeah. you know just just don't be a jerk at gm and you're going to be yeah. fine yeah and just and be aware of who is at your table um you know if, and, and who might be at their table i mean if we're playing at zoom or if it's real life and you're at somebody's house it's not only who's at the table it's their family um yeah. you know something that might not bother adults if a young child is walking by it might bother them and you know that doesn't mean that all of your games have to be rated g uh you know built for disney but just just be aware uh, um, i think disney's actually fairly uh <laughs> they've covered new ground lately yeah <laughs> yeah um so so yeah i mean obviously know the people that you're playing with and work with them to come up with a game and with players and uh but also 
go ahead and give some guidelines because if you just say the sky, it's, you know, it's free to do whatever you want. They're going to come up with something that ruins your game. So make it clear the kind of game that, that you're trying to build. And, um, you know, most of the time they're going to work with you. And if they don't want to work with you, screw them. And if none of them want to work with you, then make a different game. I knew yep. friends. Yeah. 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 Go hang out with somebody. Maybe you don't have friends after all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So next time, let's uh, let's start the discussion on world building. So I'm Ryan. I'm Alex, and I'm Nathan. And you're listening to the wonderful, wonderful gaming podcast that I can't remember the name of. I thought we were going to do that, and we're here to pump you up. Oh, oh yeah, we are here to pump you up. Yeah, pump you up in gaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>